hi everyone welcome back to another bonus episode and this week we are going to be discussing antinatalism and specifically this question from Zahira if I can just pull it up okay she says in your research for your next book on the case for natalism uh, have you come across any data or analysis that might suggest antinatalist sentiments are partially linked to, to a certain predisposition or extremely sensitive personality type uh, the short answer is I think no which is to say that I don't think that I don't I've not come across that research no and as far as I know um well okay so it depends maybe we should start by talking about what antinatalism is because I think it's two things go on then okay so I think one it's quite a formal branch of philosophy David Benatar is the most prominent antinatalist philosopher. I mean, it's fringe, but it has an internet presence and there are serious scholars who espouse this position, which is basically that you suffer so much during life, you know, path the course, and some individuals suffer so enormously that it's immoral to bring a child into existence because by bringing them into existence, you're assuring them of suffering that they wouldn't otherwise experience because they wouldn't exist. Okay. So that's right. So that's one definition of antinatalism. I've been making this argument to people on the oncology ward and they're just not receptive to it. <laughs> well, you know, and then the other argument is um, that people, sh I guess it's that people should have, mm, well, no, I guess it's just other arguments for not having children. So it's things like children above the planet, um, children are bad for, you know, motherhood is burdensome in particular fatherhood as well, but maybe less so. And an argument I've heard from some people, which I guess gets back to Zahira's comment on neuroticism, they say, I don't know whether I'll like it having children. And so isn't it better to just not have them just in case I have them and then I don't like, I don't like it because at that stage there's no going back. So even though that latter style of antinatalism is a bit more uh, inchoate it's also probably much more widespread had you come across the the benatar argument before no. is that or is that a fringe thing that yeah i think i spend too much time on the internet so i, I don't think most antinatalism is really worthy of a name it's more it's either cope like uh that you shouldn't have children when climate change is happening either because they contribute to it or because they'll be victims of it Mm. or it's just kind of drifting and it's not it's not a philosophy it's just doing other things and the availability of contraception means you actually have a choice about whether you have a child or not yeah i was thinking about this this week um because uh, mary has written her column about this today and on her and i i think i sent you this piece last week about a woman who says that she basically got psyops by netflix into being bisexual that's not how she puts it. So, so she's so she's a, bit, a BBC journalist, and she's done some. I think she's done a radio show, a, a documentary about the algorithms and sexuality. So she, I'm going to guess, and this is probably unfair because maybe I've not listened to her documentary, and this might not be true. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess with sort of ninety percent confidence level that she's not actually had a relationship with a woman. Mm. 
but she she basically discovered from watching a show on Netflix about a bisexual woman that she also fancies women and now she's identifying as bisexual. Don't quite understand how that works, but uh, if Diana to... if Diana Fleischman was here, or indeed any of the other evolutionary psychologists interested in sexuality who I've had on the show, she would remind us that most women are bisexual. Mm-hmm. And actually it's pretty easy to sort of induce bisexual feelings in women. Whereas men are very rarely bisexual and homosexuality in men seems to be much more kind of deep-seated and apparent and from an early age. And um, it's like quite a small portion of men who are truly gay. Basically men are either gay or they're straight and the vast majority of them are straight, whereas women it's much more loosey-goosey, so to speak. Mm. I think all, all that happened with this woman is that she just has like normal female sexuality and it's high status to not be straight and cis. And Netflix is absolutely full of unwitting propaganda in this regard. As indeed, because she always talks about TikTok, like she's like, oh my God, the TikTok algorithm, like knew I was knew I was bisexual because it kept recommending me queer content. And I was like, no, that's just, that's just, just like, TikTok. <laughs> it's just, well, I mean, there is a kind of serious and interesting question there about whether or not China is feeding it, you know? Like, did you see that meme this week that was apparently viral on TikTok about this woman, like, choosing marriage? Yes. So is this, like, blonde woman who is being offered a ring and then she has this vision of herself in the future doing housework and so decides against it. And what's funny about this is that she's not, like, in the vision of the future, like, the, the, most of what she's doing actually has nothing to do with motherhood. It's just, like, doing the hoovering. And you have to do the hoovering when you're single. Yeah. Bad news, sorry. <laughs> that's just, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a given <laughs> if you can't afford to get someone else to do it. Um, that's got nothing to do with marriage and motherhood. Hi everyone, you've just listened to a teaser version of this week's bonus episode. Uh, So the way it works is we've got our classic episodes on YouTube, on all podcast platforms on Substack, uh, where I sit down with a guest for about an hour and have a conversation. For paid subscribers on Substack, you can also, for $79 a year or $8 a month, get an extended version of those conversations. At the moment, we've got one a week, but we are hoping as soon as possible to move up to doing two a week. Uh, and to have conversations in person as well. So um, pay subscriptions um, make it easier for us to do that because I need to pay my producers, you know, all of the resources needed to, to put out um, a regular podcast. Um, on Substack as well, there is also a founding members uh, paid subscription to here. So for founding members, you get all of that and you also get these full length weekly bonus episodes, about an hour, um, where me and my husband respond in a very unscripted way to listeners' questions. So that's for uh, $159 a year, uh, which is a bit over $13 a month. So uh, all of this is available at my Substack, louiseperry.substack.com.